Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome in to the Keep Prowling Podcast. I'm your host, DJ Bill, and I, I got a very familiar face to all of y'all. Once again, my friend Jack Taylor from Bayaco Sports, Bayaco Sports reporter, and we're we going to get into this Carolina Panthers stuff in a crazy week one. I mean, you got Aaron Rodgers out for the season. You got whatever the Bengals' uh, display of football, offensive football was this week. Uh, I mean, all, all, all kinds of things going on in the NFL. I mean, before we get into the Panthers, because I know that that's that's the topic of the conversation. But anything anything crazy you saw last week, you were just like, "Oh my goodness, what in the world?" I mean, the the Giants has to be the biggest question mark. That was crazy. I mean, you win a road playoff game and then you turn around and you and you pitch a shutout, you know, against the Cowboys. Look, the Cowboys are a good football team. They've got good players, but I, you expect more from Brian Dable and that cast of, of, of players. And obviously, they lost a little bit of talent, but. I didn't think to the point where they couldn't even put up a point. Yeah. And I, I saw the stat. I think it was um, Michael Schur and the Dan Lebitard show saying that they, in the same game, they had lost, obviously, 40 to nothing, 7 to nothing with sacks. Mm-hmm. They had a blocked, I think it was the blocked field goal return for a touchdown, and then another, I think it was another turnover for a touchdown. And that has never happened to a team. All of those have never happened to a team in the same season. Crazy. And they had all that happened the to them game. in the same game. That, that was just, wild. that was wild. Yeah, that is wild. I mean, just... You know, the crazy part about the NFL, you never know what you're going to get uh, besides Josh Allen turning the ball over. But, you know, whatever. Uh, but, you know, it's, yeah. you know, it's just a lot of fun, though. Like, you know, the NFL, especially week one, you you never know what you're going to get. You got new guys. You got rookie QBs. You got rookies all over the place. I mean, how can you write the script of the Monday night, Monday night ender with the guy, undrafted free agent coming out here and winning the game for you. I think, the, I think the script writes itself. Xavier Gibson was, you know, the, the the star of that last few episodes of Hard Knocks, and of course he gets the ability to get that punt return for the for the yeah. you know overtime win, and especially with you know Aaron Rodgers walking on the field and leaving two seconds later, yep. you know, in New York in a game that was really big for a day that's really big for New York, mm-hmm. and ha- I mean, you know, you, that's where I was like, all right. Maybe the NFL is a little scripted, <laughs> just a little bit. That's that's too coincidental. Right? Yeah, a- absolutely, man. I, I just it, week one was crazy, and I'm sure week two will uh, have no absence of craziness as well. But how things been going in your world as we as we jump into it? Because I, I mean, I know you know high school sports is is we right in the thick of everything yeah. right now. I mean, there's a couple of new shows going on with Game On, The yeah. Blitz. I mean, you know, you've been a busy man. Yeah, it's been a busy couple of weeks. You know, you said high school football getting started, then college football, NASCAR. Like last weekend, you know, we had the Duke Mayo Classic, yep. and then we were out uh, at, in Duke for that upset against Clemson. We were there for that, too, with Darlington right in the middle of, when, in the middle of race because, you know, it's also playoffs for NASCAR. Exactly. So the postseason's going on for NASCAR. Yep. You still have to take care of that. But, yeah, it's been a lot going forward. And for media in Charlotte especially, you know, it was the focus was taken away from really the NFL and the start of the season due to this all these contract issues with Brian Burns. That's, That's been the biggest yeah. thing, you know, going to these practices, going to the locker rooms. It's a different it was a different aura in the locker rooms this last mm-hmm. week because there was kind of that tension of what's going on? Yeah. Why has this not happened yet? Exactly. And and they figured it out and Brian Burns played pretty pretty darn well. Yeah, I mean, figured it out. I don't know, you know, I don't know because they they've at least come to an understanding. I think that shows a test to Brian Burns' character. You know, there's two ways to handle that situation, and you can do what Chris Jones did, and you know, now he got his one year extension, yeah. and he's gotten the money that he thinks that at least he deserves. He obviously didn't get the deal he wanted. You could be like Nick Bosa; he didn't have to hold out. You know, they gave him a giant amount of money yeah. for you know Brian Burns. Though he had said it and made it very clear going through training camp, once he was healthy enough to play, he said, "I'm not going to sit out. This is bigger than me." It's obviously he said, "You know, it's not bigger than me." Right. But the defense that we put together, I'm a part of it and a crucial part of it. So I'm going to make sure I'm there. And yeah, that first half, you know, his presence was incredibly, you know, incredibly felt. Obviously, they schemed him more in the second half to yeah. where he was kind of taken out of the equation. But that's more of an issue of having nobody on the other side mm-hmm. to, you know. To, to, to back him up. I yeah. mean, that the biggest thing that I had the question of the game, we can get into it, of course, but, you know, Justin Houston, 
was non-existent in that game. Yeah. I, we didn't see, you know, hide or tail of him. Mm-hmm. And when you have, you know, Marquise Haynes on IR, DJ Johnson, Yatur Grossmatos, none of them doing anything. Amare Barno, nowhere to be found. Yeah. They all played, I think, is between all of them. They played each maybe, I think, two or three snaps. Yeah. And that's just, you can't do that. Do you think it was because they didn't use Justin Houston enough or he just was not? Because, you know, the biggest thing about Justin Houston last year for the Ravens was – he was available. He was there. He was near the quarterback, but he couldn't. He couldn't finish the play. Well, I mean, I would disagree honestly because he he led the Ravens in sacks. Yeah, which was ridiculous yeah. at his age, and he played. Now he did only play about half the season. Right, I think it was about seven games he played. So I see what you're saying in that regard. But I don't know. I mean, it, when they signed him and they signed Deion Jones, you know, right in the same week, and then they cut Deion Jones. Now he's back mm-hmm. on the practice squad. Yeah, it was like okay, I see what you're doing with Deion Jones. He's supposed to be that guy that can play that hybrid. Deion Jones has been the you know the the technique to be able to stand up, yeah. go down and rush, and then you cut him. So it's like all right, well then we don't have him anymore. Exactly. Especially right before we found out about Marquise Haynes. Mm-hmm. So then they pick up Justin Houston. Or I'm sorry, they found out about Haynes. Then they picked up Deion Jones. Yeah. And then they picked up Justin Houston as well. So I don't know. I, it seemed like the you know they, it didn't seem like they were ready yeah. for the for the for for the first week and I don't know if all this contract stuff played a part in it or not. Yeah. It just seemed like they weren't ready. Well, and it's and I think if the New York Giants maybe they didn't teach us very much in week one, but previous iterations of the New York Giants taught us anything. Pass rush rush depth is huge. Oh yeah, right. Like I mean, they had the NASCAR package. They had all these packages when they were winning winning Super Bowls and yeah. everything. Be, because like. Keeping those guys fresh and ready and, you know, ready to go at you don't know who's coming. Yeah. that That's big. And I think the Panthers may have to take a page out of that. I think, you know, we, we talked about it, I think, last time you came on the show, Unique Ngakwe, right? Like, a guy that I think both of us were like, that's a good guy to pick up. He's, you know, he's still young. He's still got a lot left in him. But for whatever reason, you know. It wasn't in the cards, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, they're gonna. Ha- they may have to either make a move, or you know, just they're gonna have to figure out something. I think because I, I, I think Brian Burns. You know, he was a menace. I think in the when he was in, like when they before they started, especially first half, he was a menace. He was everywhere. But then it's like, who's going to pick up the slack? And I think that's the big question mark right now. It is. I mean, the Panthers are a very top-heavy team. And we knew this, you know, all the pieces they added in the offseason made you feel a little bit better. And then once that cut day happened, and whether it was just because it was such a brutal transition to go from, you know, 90 to 53 in one day, it seemed like they just cleaned house of a lot of depth that obviously they had to get rid of. But you just sit there and wonder, okay, now, you know, like – what are they doing in that regard? And so with Brian Burns, I mean, look, at he deserves top five money. He, he does. I mean, you can say what you want about his how, what the output shows in the box score, but to me, if, if you're focusing solely on the box score, you're not paying attention. You don't see – it's like the same thing with J.C. Horn. We can get into that too. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily about their presence on the field, but it's their presence when they're not on the field. When Brian Burns is quiet, you saw Tyler Algier run all over you. You know, when he's getting double teamed, there's nobody else to pick up the slack. Same with Mm -hmm. J.C. Horn. The minute he goes out in that game, if J.C. stays healthy in that game, I'm not saying it's a win, but it's definitely not 24 to 10. Yeah. And I I think the 24, like, because... You're going to look at the box score, right? You're going to look at the, the ending score and be yeah. like, 24-10. Oh, man, we, the, the Panthers were out of this game. But that's not necessarily true. The, the, it was closer than the score indicated. Oh, absolutely. The, look it, and you can say shoulda, woulda, coulda, you know, if ands or buts. But you have that confusing penalty, offsetting penalties on that kit, a putt return mm-hmm. with Ismus, you know, and, and getting the horse collar and putting us in the two-yard line. And that was weird and how it went out. But that second down... Because he overthrew Adam Thielen on the first one. Yeah. That second down, though, he had he had Jonathan Mingo on a house call mm-hmm. five yards ahead of his guy. He put it just a bit too far. But if he connects that pass, Mingo's got the speed to take that distance. Yeah. You get a 99-yard touchdown. It's a tie ball game. Right. It was at that point, I want to say 17-10 to 10 mm-hmm. at that point in time, if my memory serves me right. And you get that touchdown, boom, now you're back in business. But yep. – it doesn't happen. You can't get a first down. You're putting out of your own end zone. They're able to get Kyle Pitts, you know, burn C.J. Henderson. Yeah. And then Tyler Algier finishes off the drive. Now it's 24 to 10 with maybe six minutes left. Yep. There's nothing else you can do at that exactly. point. So, yeah, I mean, it's the box score. Those are those are fantasy football touchdowns. You know, those, those Tyler Algier touchdowns were more fantasy touchdowns than anything. I think that, you know, it's interesting to how that goes. But to me, that leads a bit of question with, you know, Scott Fitterer. I think the – 
the narrative around Scott Ferger has has flipped a lot in this last two three weeks. The mm-hmm. fans have have really turned on him. Um, not all of them per se, but a good majority of them, as you know, Panthers fans can be. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting to see what he's going to do free agency wise going forward. Yeah, and I mean, you know, not only free agency but trades too. You know, you got to look in both avenues because. You know, one trade, one good pickup could be the difference between your season being a losing season and a winning season. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it last time. You know, the kind of staple of these championship teams over the last few years outside of the Chiefs, I would say, has been picking up those bigger, you know, names, those veteran presences throughout the season. You think back, you know, the Rams with OBJ and, and Von Miller, or mm-hmm. you think to, you know, the Bucks getting, you know, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, Leonard Fournette, guys like that, you know, yeah. halfway through the season. Um, and that's been able to propel them forward into the Super Bowl. So, you know, I don't think this team is obviously Super Bowl ready, but if they want to make a splash, I mean, you know, signing a guy like T. Higgins in free agency yeah. or making a trade for, you know, another veteran pass rusher or a veteran corner. Mm-hmm. Because if J.C.'s injury, we haven't heard anything about it yet still. We're waiting on it. Yeah. But if that, you know, if worse comes to worse and it falls what it's been the last few years, you got to put somebody, you got to get somebody in the backfield. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I've, I've always said that the pass rush – Helps out those corners too. It, it helps does. out the secondary. If I can get pressure on you to make make you force you into some of those air and throws, you know th- that's when the secondary looks at its best. Oh, absolutely. Because even with the best cover guys, you can't cover forever. No, I mean you like you see that all the time. The Legion of Boom was so great because they still had a good front seven. Even you look back at the Panthers Super Bowl run, that front seven was the best in the NFL for the last, you know, for the five years around it. And, I mean, you look at who's the cornerbacks there. It was Charles Tillman and Cortland Finnegan, you know, guys that were up, you know, close to retirement. I mean, Mm -hmm. you had Josh Norman and James Bradbury, you know, and say what you will about Bradbury at that time. He wasn't developed. So I absolutely agree. And so you're going to see that going forward. And it's what kind of concerns me about this defense. And I think Averro, you know, is still trying to – get his feet under him with this defense. Because yeah. to me, you know, they didn't get after the quarterback nearly enough, especially mm-hmm. once they started the scheme to Burns. Yeah. I think that the Panthers didn't adjust as much in the second half compared to how the Falcons did. Right. So I think yeah. that, you know, had a big ish- had a big impact. Yeah, and, and I think, too, I think the biggest thing about this game is, because the first half it was very, very close. Like, yeah. it, I mean, you know, it was back and forth. It was, You know, these two defenses were kind of teeing off, yeah. you know, kind of tit for tat to a certain degree. And it's it's crazy because in the second half with the adjustments that Atlanta made, it felt like they got more into what they wanted to do. It felt like the Panthers were dictating, hey, this is what you're going to do in the first half. But in the second half, that's when Atlanta was like, all right, we're going to let Bijan be Bijan. We're going to let Tyler Algier be Tyler Algier, right? And then we can still beat you over the top because we ha- there's talent out here, you know? Um, and I think, I think Desmond Ritter looked better than – anybody could ever imagine, considering what we've seen from him before. Yeah, I mean, I think that he definitely showed that he has the ability to run this offense. He's got the weapons around him that you would want. You know, you've got a young guy in Kyle Pitts and a young stud already in Bijan Robinson. I mean, that first touchdown that he had was ridiculous. And, you know, it doesn't hurt to have guys, you know, like um, like Kyle Pitts out there and other others wide receivers. And it doesn't help, you know, it didn't hurt him that we weren't getting, that the Panthers weren't getting to him. You know, they weren't creating that pressure. Um and, you know, he had, I think also, because you weren't creating that pressure, that's where the mistakes didn't show up. I mean, games are won with turnovers. The turnover mm-hmm. batter will decide the game. And I don't think Bryce Young should it should take the full blame for what happened. I mean, Jesse Bates is a veteran cornerback who knows how to do this. He's been doing it for a while. And they were able to scheme up in a way that they were able to get to him. The line played a lot better than we thought. Chandler mm-hmm. Zavala played a lot better than anyone expected him to in his first start. And no yeah. one was thinking he was going to be starting. Yeah. Like no one was, we were hoping that Corbett or that Corbett was going to be healthy come into this week. Yeah. Um, so I think that you know the turnover battle was definitely bigger. I don't think Bryce Young played. I I don't think Bryce Young is. There was anything to be worried about with Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. It was the first game, big jitters, loud stadium. Yeah. So those, those, I mean, they got all their points off of the turnovers. Yes. Yeah. You know, certainly not all, but 17 points off of those turnovers. Mm-hmm. You know, the the points that mattered. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's not something that is going to be common from him. Yeah, and, and Bryce Young's a guy who typically takes care of the ball. And, mm. I, and I think he it, it felt like, number one, I, I think it, it felt like two things. It felt like Jesse Bates kind of had his number a little bit. Like, it felt like Jesse Bates was reading him more than he could catch up to the speed of what Jesse Bates was. Yeah. But I think at the same time, 
I think there were a couple of throws that ended up being interceptions that Bryce Young made that may have been college open, but not necessarily NFL open. But you don't know that till you're in that in-game speed. Yeah, and I think that's the more of the transition he's going to have to hit. That's why you saw him overthrow some of these receivers. We don't have the speed of Bama receivers. Yeah. And I think that the biggest issue, honestly, as far as the offense goes, is the receivers right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know how big of a difference G.J. Chark's presence would have played. But, you know, Ishmith was supposed to be your fast guy. And I didn't really see anything from him. You cut your other faster receivers, they're not getting separation. The reason Jesse Bates can play up in that second line and sit there and ball hawk is because he knows there's nothing going downfield. I mean, they pushed the ball downfield maybe twice, mm-hmm. three times. You look at the route tree and the, and, the, and the flow chart for Bryce Young's passing attempts, and none of them went farther than 10 yards. Yeah. At least the ones that were completed. So mm-hmm. if you're not being, if you can't push the ball downfield because you don't have fast receivers that can do so, yeah. then those safeties, those all pro safeties, are going to bite down incredibly hard mm-hmm. and just sit there. And that's why both of those plays, Bryce Young threw that ball not expecting there to be a safety that far down. Yeah. Because you wouldn't expect the safety to be where the linebackers are in right. those kind of plays. And Jesse Bates is going to creep up and ball hawk every time. So I think that's it's honestly more of an issue of. You know, that's where, like, a guy like T. Higgins, who's clearly not going to get utilized at all in, in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. um, would be a huge get for for this offense. But it also leads to the question of, you're not paying Brian Burns right now. Mm-hmm. It came out, you know, the Bears, we all knew that the Bears either wanted Brian Burns, DJ Moore, or Derek Brown. Derek yeah. Brown, obviously, is untouchable. He had his impact. If you, you already overplayed your hand here by showing how much you passed up from the Rams, those two first-rounders for yeah. Brian Burns. You're not paying him now, and you traded away your fastest receiver and you know your best wide receiver. Now he might not have been doing well in Chicago right now, mm-hmm. but it it's a big question mark for Fitter where it's like, what is the thought process here? Then why did you trade away if you knew you were trying to get this rookie quarterback who needs that good talent? Because yeah. the wide receivers you got, you could have gotten every one of these wide receivers more than likely and kept DJ Moore. Yeah, I mean you would have obviously obviously had to sign a big name or at least a comparable name in the pass rush, you know, a B-list guy. Mm-hmm. So that might have cost you a pretty penny. But would it have been more worth it to have a guy like D.J. Moore? Yeah. You know, that's where it's, that's it's, where the question mark it's, lies. It's tough because it's an offensive league. And the hardest thing right now, I think, for I mean, there's a couple of things, that's, you know, the quarterback that moves around is, is difficult, but also, like, the fact that they have this plethora of weapons. Like, that's why Cincinnati has been so dangerous the last couple of years um, is because – where do I put my top guy? Yeah. You know, I mean, we saw what Miami did. We saw what the Chargers did, right? When you have all of this talent that you can go through on the, go to on the outside, then you put a good tight end in there as well, which, I mean, which, you know, that's why Hayden Hurst was able to eat a little bit because, you know, he's kind of is your security blanket. I think, yeah, I, I agree. I think they're going to have to find some sort of, of a speed guy. You need at least one guy. You need at least one guy that can take the, take the top off the defense and then let the Thielen work you know, intermediate, you know, let maybe a guy like Mingo work intermediate, DJ Chark and these guys work that, those intermediate areas. But also I think too, I think DJ Chark was probably a bigger, he was a bigger missing piece than I thought he was going to be because it seems like just from what we've seen, it seems like him and Bryce have some sort of a connection together. You know, like they, they, I don't know if they did a couple of off season workouts that we didn't see, but like, they seem like the two guys, he seems like almost like his go-to guy outside of Hayden Hurst. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what exactly they do because, th- I mean, they're going to f- have to find something. But I think getting this core together, I think the fact that it was week one, Bryson hasn't seen NFL, you know true NFL action yet. I-, I think I think the Panthers played pretty well for what was right in front of them. I just think Atlanta. I think Atlanta outplayed everybody's expectations. Yeah, I mean, I think that Atlanta is nothing to you know to to. You know, to sniff at, I think they are, I wouldn't say a good football team, quote unquote. I think that they play well. And the Panthers have always played, you know, down to the Falcons. There's never been a season where, you know, even the year they went 15 and one, that one loss was to Atlanta in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, the crowd, I think, played a much bigger presence. It looked a lot like he was not able to hear the calls coming in. And I think the problem, though, becomes is that, you know, for the, the offensive play calls, I think it followed along what everyone was worried about in the preseason. They did still seem very lackluster. I mean, you go for that fourth and goal, that fourth down, in the very first drive, which I love the you know aggressiveness. But then you try to run up the middle with Chuba Hubbard. That's not going to work. You, yeah. you, we don't have a short. There's not a short yardage running back on that team, and that was a big concern. So I think you have to definitely open up your playbook because the thing is, you can. It's okay to be kind of lackluster in the first game. 
if you're not playing a divisional rival. Because mm-hmm. now we're sitting at a situation, the Panthers are sitting at a situation where you could be 0-2 in the division yeah. come to next Tuesday. And yep. that's and I know that, you know, while the fans are hoping for a playoff push right off the bat, mm-hmm. it might not be what the front office and the staff is their goal is. Obviously their goal is to win. It might not be their expectation, but it's gonna be a lot harder to do to get a wild card spot or a divisional spot if you're 0-2 in your before September is even already over. Yeah, and and I think it's tough because, you know, the organization knows what they have. It feels like, but I think a lot of, a lot of fans are like, you know, they 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 want this team to be really good now because you were one game away from hosting a playoff game last year. So you're sitting here like, all you gotta do is take that one step forward. But sometimes that one step forward is more difficult than it ever seemed. Yeah, it's, and I think this fan base has also just been so traumatized by the last four or five years to the point where they're openly rooting for Nebraska's loss every single week. I mean, you see it on Twitter. They're, they're getting you know enjoyment out of it. I'm not going to say that I don't, but I think that's the problem. And, of course, when it comes to like, these contract situations, it's very reminiscent of Julius Peppers the first time around, and that's where a lot of fans you know question the maturity of this organization's essence. Obviously, it's much different staffs, but it's the same kind of situation. You had Julius Peppers. And that was even worse because he was all pro talent at that point in time, Pro Bowl talent, your you know top draft pick, your highest to that point, playing out of his mind, and you don't give him the money he wants. Yep. And then he goes to Chicago for however many years and continues to dominate and make you feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. So it's that same eerie situation where it's like, why are you not paying your top guy? Yeah. Now that you were, you said you know you were waiting for Nick Bosa to get a contract, well, he got a contract, $32 million, that you are now going to have to at least come close to. I think they said earlier the sitting ground was like 26, 28. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to be lucky if it's not 30. And now Chris Jones has a contract, too. That was the only other holdout. Mm-hmm. Now, that helps you a little bit with the one-year option. Yeah. But if you've already set yourself up in this, is- in this issue to begin with, it was why they didn't pay Hassan Redick. It was why they've had to restructure contracts. So you've been, con- you've been pushing this off for so long. Mm-hmm. He can walk next year, absolutely. And if you don't give him a contract by this coming week, I mean, you've got the extra day, you know, you've got the extra time, take your time because yeah. it's going to say a lot about Fitterer and this front staff if this is how you're going to start your new regime. Yeah. And and I think the other thing is too, you know, I've been living on this kind of quote that you, you have to pay your players. There are special guys who you have to pull out the pocketbook for and give them, what, you know, give them what they're asking for. You, because... The thing is, in the NFL, you hope, you you expect, you you hope that you draft well enough to find a top five player. But then when it's time to pay them, sometimes we get a little bit like, well, we we can draft somebody else. But, you know, Brian Burns is a special player. There's a reason why Miles Garrett is still sitting in Cleveland. Right. There's a reason why Bosa is still sitting in, you know, in San Francisco. Right. And the other Bosa is still sitting in L.A. Right. Because they understand these guys are special. These guys are game breakers. These guys will end games for you. Right. These guys will let let, you know, once again, this offense is, is young, especially at no pun intended, especially at the quarterback position. So with that being said, you're, you're going to have to let the defense is going to have to play well enough to let the offense catch up. And that's okay because that's exactly what you expect this defense to do. This defense has to step up until the offense finds their rhythm, figures out, okay, this is what we do. This, this is our, these are our tendencies. This is my go-to guy. Like that takes time, you know. And like this, this defense and the fact that Brian Burns hasn't been paid, I think there should be a little bit of worry, you know, because not only does do offenses have tendencies? Do defenses have tendencies? Front offices have tendencies, right? Like, and when you haven't paid that guy, it's felt like in such a long time, why should I believe that you will now? I mean, I, I completely agree. And they're going to put themselves in a hole going forward because Jeremy Chin's contract's up at the end of this year. Your Gross Mottos' contract's up at the end of this year. Now, I'm not saying that you pay your Gross Mottos because I don't believe that he should get that kind of extension, at least not from what he's shown so far. I would love for him to prove himself to be able to get that money. But Jeremy Chin, I mean, that's, again, one of your building block pieces, the guys they said they would not trade. And so, you know, I think he was also fairly non-existent on, on Sunday. You know, the, the way they said they were going to use him differently, that kind of X role, that spur role, was not really there from what I could see. And so, uh, but you're going to get dig yourself in that hole where you're going to have to pay multiple contracts coming up at the end of this year, and it's going to be the point where you're going to have to make a decision. And 
I don't think you want to put yourself in that spot if you can avoid it. Yeah. So I think that's where it's like, yeah, you get that deal done now. Franchise tagging is only just delaying the inevitable. Yep. That's it, all it's it doing, is. and it's only creating more of a, of an insecurity between and a, and a and a rift between that player in the front office to go, okay, you just want to push it off till you don't have to anymore. Yeah. And that's that doesn't work out and, often. And you know, this is the NFL. This is not uh, Best Buy or uh, any of these retail stores where the item depreciates, right, to the point where you're going to pay less later, right? That PS5 is less now than it was when it first came out. But this is the NFL. I want my big contract because sometimes I only get one. Yeah, yeah. and that, and you're, they're putting their – and it's, that's the thing, you know, you're, they're putting their bodies out on the line, and you've seen it a lot more in different areas, you know, especially with running backs not getting paid. Quarterbacks, you know, now getting paid, but that's where you have the back and forth. Quarterbacks getting paid, Joe Burrow gets his money – what does he do in sense? What does he do week yeah. one? He does nothing, you know, and that's where that's the the that's the argument they use. Well, you didn't do anything anyway, so why should we pay? You know, look how much money they gave him. He didn't do mm-hmm. anything, yeah. so why should we give you that money? And in, in the hopes that you don't, you know, hopes that you do something. And yeah. if you don't, now we look stupid. But I think that's been the always one of the bigger issues for the Panthers is they have relied on that bargain bin. Mm-hmm. They have scraped the bottom of the barrel to just get band aid fixes for a lot of different positions and a lot of different players, and it's done its damage to Panthers fandom over the time so it's like all right you've got your guys now pay the guys that you that that deserve to be paid don't go out and just find these you know bargain bin guys wherever mm-hmm. you know Justin Houston's not one of those but Deion but it's indicative of what they used to do you know yeah. and how they used to go about handling even in the Super Bowl era now it worked out well but that's when you were signing guys at the end of the ropes like Jared Allen and like yeah. I said Cortland Finnegan and mm-hmm. and you know Roman Harper yeah so it's where it's like, all right, you don't have to wait for that kind of stuff or get guys past their prime. You have guys in your in their prime. Yeah. So go ahead and sign them. Exactly. And, and go ahead and sign them and, and get ready for the run you want to make in maybe a year or two or whatever it may be. Because young quarterbacks can win. They can win now, but, you know, they got to have the right pieces around them. And, you know, coaching goes into that as well. But let's, let's jump into this Panthers-New Orleans Saints matchup. The Monday Night Football home opener, Bryce Young under the lights. I mean, if if there was any pressure on the young man and the rest of these guys, you know, it, it's got to be there, right? Oh, I mean. And, and you don't want to start 0-2 in the division no, on, to- on top of that. I mean, let's just add even more scoops of that ice cream. Yeah, no, they don't want to start in that way at all, and it's going to get even worse going forward. I mean, they, they, they you know, the script writers of the NFL did not like the Panthers because you not, could not write a tougher first month in the NFL for Bryce Young and the staff. You have the two divisional games and then two NFC games against powerhouse programs like Seattle and Detroit. And that's a ridiculous first month of football. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, this is th- – there could not be a bigger start. I mean, you know, Cam Newton, when he was – his first game, it was, you know, it was Arizona, it was Green Bay, and there was, you know, a couple other ones that he had big games. But, I mean, this has been huge for Bryce Young. You go on the road to Atlanta – and now you got to host the Saints Monday night. The extra day should be helpful. And it's going to be a lot more, like I said, the biggest health issue is going to be their health. If J.C. can't play, that's a whole different story. Because I didn't see a whole lot from the Saints that, you know, impressed me. Mm-hmm. I really didn't. I mean, the Titans, you know, are always an odd football team to try to figure out. But they're not by any means a top-tier football team. But I didn't see anything from the Saints other than their kicker that impressed me. You know, yeah. they were going back and forth the whole time, and it finally got some touchdowns there at the end. Mm-hmm. But um, it's still the Saints, you know. And I think Derek Carr is Derek Carr. They have a much better front four and front seven than the Falcons do. Their cornerbacks are here or there. I mean, obviously Ryan Tannehill was picked off multiple times. Yep. And they will find a way to, to terrorize you just like the Falcons did. Their offensive weapons, you know, Jawan Johnson – at tight end, you've got Chris Olave. Obviously, that's going to be the biggest thing. If we don't have all of our, if they're all the cornerbacks are not healthy on that team, you don't have the firepower to match up with Michael Thomas and Chris Olave. Yeah, and that's going to be the bigger issue. You could get into, you know, and I don't think if DJ Chark is not healthy that you can afford to get into a shootout. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to go your way. I hope that you know. I think a big issue last week was that home presence. Yeah. I think it, it didn't necessarily get to Bryce. It seemed like he did seem you know fairly calm and collected, especially in those first few drives. I think it much more got into the heads of the rest of the guys. You saw you know a couple crucial false starts, crucial delay of games. Yeah. You know, twelve men on the field at one point. Hopefully that's reversed. You know, and, and the fans show out at Bank of America. 
I'm worried about it, not because I'm worried about Panthers fandom, but because of everything that's happened at this beginning of the season with Brian Burns mm -hmm. and just the way that the preseason went. Yeah. There is a bit of that kind of, you know, pessimism around mm -hmm. Panthers fandom. And uh, obviously they have every right to with how the last few years have gone, but also the Saints travel well and New Orleans yeah. fans travel really well. So I'm hoping that there it could be it could be really 50-50 at that stadium on Monday night. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that should help, though, the fact that uh, the Panthers are playing at home because I think there should be this level of excitement, this level of buzz to see this team for the first time this 2023 season with the, these new crop of guys. You got the number one overall pick and all that. Like you're excited. The, the same excitement we saw when Bryce Young was drafted, we should see on, on game day, right? Let's hope, you know. But I think at the same time, there's – there's going to be – the Saints, I think, are a tough team for the Panthers, which is always oh, absolutely. kind of have been. But I think that home field advantage is going to have to play a role. You know, I think that's going to have – you know, that kind of 12th man, if, if you will, is going to have to be everything that the Panthers need to kind of push them over the edge. Now, can the Panthers get started quick, fast, and in a hurry? That's going to be the, the real question because, once again, then it, it leans onto, onto the defense to – uh, you know, get pressure and, and stop all the talent that the Saints have offensively. But can they do that? That's a whole other question. Look, at I, I mean, you know, I've been – I haven't been in Bank of America Stadium for a Panthers game in a couple of years now, but I've seen, you know, obviously how it's looked on TV from friends in the city, you know, what the vibes have been like. Now I have been to multiple FC games. And even with the the bowl half filled, it's been more electric than some Panthers games in years past. The, you know, the, the Mayo Classic with the South Carolina and Chapel Hill was one of the more electric I've seen that stadium in a long time. Yeah. And I would be less worried about it had you know the preseason not went the way it went, mm -hmm. had this Brian Burns contract because it felt like all that excitement from the majority of Panthers fans, you know, outside of Twitter especially, it seemed like all that excitement has gone away. You know, or has been incredibly reduced. Now they did a great job in the offseason of hyping this team up, hyping up this season as they should. But it feels like just all of that has started to whittle away, and that leads me to be a little scared about what. The, obviously, those tickets are bought well in advance. Yeah. You know, but you can sell tickets. You cannot show up. You know, and I don't think people won't show up. But I do get a little concerned about how it's going to show up. I think obviously because it is Bryce Young's first game, yeah. that'll be huge. It's not going to be like, you know, Cam coming back to the stadium or anything like that, but mm -hmm. it is going to be a big deal. Yeah. And so I hope I'm wrong and I hope that they do show out in a big fashion because um, that will play a huge role in how it gets going. And then, you know, with the Panthers, you can always kind of tell within those first few drives how the game's going to go more than likely. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to be really indicative that those first few drives do go well. That's going to really carry the momentum. But if they go and if there's a three and out and a touchdown, yeah that stadium will be quiet. Well, and I think, like, Panthers fans in, in general, and I think everybody should relax a little bit. Yeah. You know? it's, it's, it's week one. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, it, it's, it's week one. You got a new coaching staff. Everybody's learning something new. You know, I mean, the defense just shifted to 3-4. That's new for them, too. So, you know, it's hard to pick up where you left off when where you left off was a whole other scheme than before. So I think I think right now, like, the pessimism, the the frustration, I, I get it, right? I get that instant gratification mindset. But at the same time, it's like, relax a little bit. It's only week one. Because it, cause the thing is, you know, and week two coming up, the thing about it is if you get this win, right, you get this win at home, you're one and one in the division, you're one and one, you know, overall, I think you're feeling pretty good, right? I, I, I said it last week, I think don't, don't be afraid of the Panthers starting one and three, even though it's quite, you know, it's you don't want it to happen, but 500 one and three is better than what you know the alternative. So, I think, yeah, I think the fans are gonna have to get into this game. I think they're gonna have to be ready to excited, they're gonna have to out cheer the New Orleans fans in the stands. But I think on the field, I think I would love to see if the Panthers are gonna lose this game, at least be disciplined in losing it, right? Be, be clean, you know. Like that's gonna be that's gonna be the biggest thing. Like, cause like you said, seventeen points off turnovers, right? If you limit those turnovers, maybe one turnover, cause you know mistakes happen, or good plays happen, then let's see where you are, cause you know it was only a fourteen point swing at the end of the day. So I I think I, I could see the Panthers winning this game, um, but I think they're gonna have to play clean football. They're gonna have to show that like. Yes, we're a young team. We're, we're we're new. We're learning new things. There can be some mistakes along the way, but we're we're right there as long as we play clean football. 
I agree. I think they at least have to play comparative football. I think if you look back, you know, like I said, it's it's different to compare those eras, and I think it's just more of a matter of the trauma that the Panthers fans have gone through in the last, you know, five, six years. Because when Cam Newton first got here, they were 1-3 and three to start off that. You know, they didn't even win the first two games. They, and they were playing, you know, incredible games against Arizona and Green Bay in those first two games. Cam didn't win his first two games, but but the thing was, he throws four touchdowns. You know, he has four total touchdowns in each game. Yeah. He has 400 yards in each game. Yeah. And there was no expectation of Bryce Young to come out and do that exact thing because he's just not the insane level of athlete that Cam Newton was. Mm-hmm. He's playing with different weapons. But the problem has always been is, you know, I mean, Rivera took three, four years to get going. And even then in that last, you know, it, it was the first season, you know, he was one and three to start out. People were ready for his head. Yeah. Then they win the next 12 straight, and they have, you know, that, that bye week. Yeah. But there was always that, all right, even if the defense plays poorly or if they turn over the ball, there's a comparative level of offense. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what has been just so detrimental to Panthers fans over the last few years. The defense has always been much better than the offense mm-hmm. up until the Super Bowl year where the offense was just lights out. Then even the next few years, you know, those games were shutouts. You know, those games were shootouts. You know, up until Cam got his injury in, in, in Pittsburgh, the games were won – in shootouts or they were lost, you know, in last second stuff. And that was heartbreaking, but it was least exciting and there was always a chance. But the Matt Rule era, yeah. it was giving up those leads, mm-hmm. not being able to put up points, if not being able to win games if the defense scored more if the other team scored more than seventeen points. Yeah. And I think that's where just like people got really worried about it, you know, with seeing this last game, the offensive inability to be able to complete drives and get mm-hmm. t- and get points on the board. Yeah. And then, you know, then having the defense falter in the back half. And I think that's where – I think the Panthers can absolutely win this game. I think this whole season – now, I thought about it before the preseason. I thought a lot of the season – a lot of these games were 50-50 just because, mm-hmm. like you said, the NFL is crazy, and it's gotten so much crazier in recent years yeah. that it's almost impossible to predict some of these games. Mm-hmm. No, Don't sit there and tell me that you would have – that anyone was thinking that the Cowboys would go 40, and, 40 to nothing over New York yeah. or that – Aaron Rodgers would go down week one, you know, the first play, but they would yeah. beat the Bills in overtime. Exactly. No one yeah. no one predicted that at, at all. So a lot of these games are right up in the air. You know, Seattle, Detroit, maybe not as much, but the Saints. I mean, we always mm-hmm. we always have that early season victory against the Saints. You know, we've had the last four. Every rule, that was rules bread and butter, was beating yeah. the Saints, you know, within the first three <laughs> weeks of the season. Now would he win another game after that? No. But <laughs> I think there's always a chance, and it's going to come down to, I think you're right, the turnover battle. Um, controlling the momentum in that stadium and really showing what you can do as an offense. I think yeah. there needs to be a lot more. You know, they didn't use, they kept Bryce Young very contained, mm-hmm. which I understood. I mean, that touchdown drive was very, you know, very like cut cut and paste, do this, go there, first progression, get it out quick, which I liked and they yeah. the passes looked really good. He looked very poised. I just need to see a bit more of that like I need to see a bit more of that urgency, that desperation. Mm-hmm. I think that there was a little Doesn't bit of a hurry up offense might help with that. Like, you know, like putting all of the pressure on, on onto the opposing defense. Because sometimes that does help when you can kind of not not necessarily free form, but just like you know, you can call your own number a little bit. And, th- but and, and it might just be also the answer might be Bryce is not ready for that yet. I was going to say, I mean, in Bama, he was doing that. In Bama, he was, you know, he was calling up plays. He was leading that hurry-up offense. He knew the playbook inside and out. He knew his players inside and out. He could do that. Here, he's not going to have that familiarity for if he has it this season. It will be very late. Mm-hmm. And not only him, but, like, you have all these coaches. We don't know how it's going through with Reich and then Thomas Brown to be able to call these plays. And then he's got to be able to go to, I mean, I don't think it's as much of, you know, the play calling had me a bit concerned, but it's also the fact of we have an inc- an entirely new starting cast for our offense. Right. New wide receivers in every position, yeah. new tight end, new running back, new quarterback. That does not happen very often where yeah. you have a complete overhaul. Yeah. And so there's got to be that level of chemistry built. Mm-hmm. And it is unfortunate when you have some of those injuries where Miles Sanders doesn't play any of the preseason. You know, DJ Chark barely plays, and now he's not playing now. Exactly. So I think that that's going to take more time. But to compensate you have to then be a bit more aggressive in your play calls. Yeah. You have to do things that you are maybe not comfortable with because you don't have the ability to kind of get into that routine. And so I think that that's where it kind of comes about. And if they can get the Saints on their toes, mm-hmm. I think it'll, be, it'll, it'll, it'll do well. But yeah. that's the biggest thing is if they can do that. Yeah, and re- real quick before we get into the to the picks for the rest of the league, what, who are you, are, you, are you going with the Panthers here or are you thinking it's going to be tough sledding? 
And it's definitely going to be tough sledding. Uh, it's going to be a toss-up either way, I'd say. I think that, you know, because like I said, outside of, you know, it, it really depends on the health, I'd say. If, if we don't, have, if, if J.C. Warren's not in the game, if DJ Chark's not playing, I feel a lot less confident about this team. Yeah. Um, I would put it still a 50-50 shot, and I think okay. it's going to be whoever has, you know, whoever wins that turnover battle, really, whoever's able to keep it, you know, because their car's not going to give the ball away. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. The defense is going to need to be more aggressive to get them on their toes. Derek Carr, if you let him sit back there, he's going to overthrow some passes. He's going to underthrow some passes. But if he gets confident, if he gets going, he's going to tear you apart, especially if he knows that he can. So I, I, I out of sheer optimism and the hype around it, I will pick the Panthers to win. Yeah. Um, I'd say like 21 to – 21 to 17 is yeah. what I would put it at. Okay. But right. it could easily be the other way around. The Saints winning 21 to 17. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go Panthers too. Uh, I think I think from what I saw last week, I'm not going to read too much into the final score. Um, I'm going to read more into the in-between the lines of what I saw. And I think this defense is – they're finding themselves. Uh, but I think, yeah, th- you know, there's going to have to be some sort of – you know adjustments to be made but I think this is a good kind of adjustment game I think the offense will get going a little bit more maybe there will be a, a couple of easier plays and they're kind of drive starter type plays uh, a couple of screens stuff like that just to kind of get 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 Bryce Young going early uh, and, and I, I, I think it'll be a big match I think, I think they need to push the ball downfield uh, they need to get the defense the contracts figured out you got to get Brian's Brian Burns figured out and then figure out the health of your other guys and, yeah, they need to push the ball downfield and just create that kind of consistency. I think you talked about the box score not reading into the into the it. I think you need to read into that 10 points is a lot more telling than the 24 yeah. is. Yeah. I mean, not being able to put up more than the one touchdown yeah. is a problem, and it's been a problem. So I think if they're, they're going to need to put up some offense. Yeah. And I, I think, too, they'll lean a little more on, on Miles Sanders because, you know, he hasn't played in, in, in a while now. So – you know, that's another thing, too. You can't just hop out there 100% and get back to where you want to be. So I think he'll be a little better in this in this game, too, uh, kind of as as because I think they want to lean on him to kind of help out Bryce Young a little bit and, yeah. you know, give it a little one-two punch yeah. to a certain degree. So we'll see. But uh, who, who do you guys think at, at home? What, what do you got? Who do you guys think is winning Panthers, Saints? Who knows? I mean, home opener, Monday night. To show out. You know? To show up and show out. Yeah, that's what you got to do. Throw everything at the wall, you know? Throw yep. everything at the wall. I think that's how it's got to be. But let's get into the picks. Follow along at home, as always. Uh, let's jump into Thursday night game. It's Minnesota at Philadelphia. Who gets the win? This is interesting. I was not expect That was the one shocker game for me. I did not think the Vikings were going to come out like that and, and lose. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't help they lost to the Bucks either. That does not help in the slightest. I think that the Vikings could be coming for revenge in this one. And, you know, New, New England showed that the that the Eagles are vulnerable, mm-hmm. I, I could see the Vikings pulling out a win in this one. Okay. I, I think, for me, playing at Philly is tough on a short week. I'm going to go Minnesota, too, though, because I, I think Minnesota is talented enough. I think it's going to all come down to coaching for them. Can they finish these games? That's been their biggest issue for a, a long, long time. That's been a big issue for Kirk Cousins-led teams. Can you finish games? Uh, but I think I think they get a big win in the NFC and kind of shake up the NFC a little bit. I can see it. Okay. Uh, Green Bay at Atlanta. Look, with the way Green Bay played against you know Chicago, I don't think I thought Chicago was a better team than that, and I didn't think the Packers was that that good of a team. Um, you know, I could see I, this one again. I think will be close to being in Atlanta again, uh, but I think Green Bay pulls out the win in this one. Okay. I think they just look dominant against the Bears, and I think that the Bears do present some of the same problems that Atlanta has. Like I said, I, I think Atlanta might have some a false sense of confidence in this one. Um, I can see the Packers pulling this one out. Okay. I think I think for me, I'm going to go Green Bay. I think Green Bay, from what I saw, and, and I know it's one week of football, I can't read too much into it, but I think Jordan Love looked good. He looked clean. I mean, he, he even kind of gave a little Aaron Rodgers out there. Like, just the way he threw the ball, like, you know, his confidence, just how calm he was, like, you know, he didn't seem rattled at all. It was impressive. Uh, you know, I, I was very impressed by what they did, especially considering I thought, I, same thing, I thought Chicago was going to be far better than what they looked like, and that raises concerns for me because it's Chicago. And, you know, speaking of, uh, <laughs> of hurt, <laughs> they've been through it too. So I think Green Bay wins this game. I think they're so, they're so well coached. I think Matt, Matt LaFleur is a really good coach. Um, and I think offensively, I think that's why we're still seeing – 
some pretty good fireworks from that from that team. I'd agree. Um, I, I think Green Bay wins that one too. Uh, Las Vegas against Buffalo. I think Buffalo's coming for blood in this one. Uh, Las Vegas, you know, they they had played a you know impressive game. I want to say they're about. I mean, obviously the Broncos looked you know not great, but I I could I, I believe Buffalo will be coming back for revenge after that you know after that loss last week. They need to show that they're the team that they say they are. Josh Allen wants, is going to try to pick apart this defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see Jimmy Garoppolo coming in and, and putting together the same kind of game that they did. They do look very vulnerable though, so this one could easily be a toss up. But I'll probably I'll stick with Buffalo. Yeah. I'm- I'm going Vegas. Uh, I think it would be weird to see Buffalo start 0-2. It would. But, I mean, there's something about Josh Allen and turning over the ball that just – he can't be – I don't know what it is. I don't know, like – because I know he's a gunslinger. I get that. He's going to try to, you know, make a play. And I think this defense, because of how aggressive they are, I think I think they can they can get after him. Uh, so I'm, I'm going Vegas on that one. Baltimore, Cincinnati, a little AFC North matchup. This one's tough because – what Cincinnati team are you going to get to show up? You're playing on the road at Cincinnati. Once again, Baltimore is coming in as a team who's learning a new offense, right? Like, you know, the, some of the touches to Zay Flowers, although they looked good, felt a little bit forced at times. Lamar wasn't as sharp as he usually is. I mean, he hasn't played in 10 months. What do you expect? But, you know, it, it's kind of that, that you know, Week one for a lot of these guys too is that kind of preseason that preseason game because for Baltimore they didn't play really any of their starters for a preseason because of the injury issues that still continue to pile up. Yeah. So I mean I, I'm going Baltimore on this one just because I think Cincinnati always starts slow. I think Baltimore always beats them early in the season and then loses to them later on in the season. Uh, I think the offense will look good. I think it'll be interesting to see Cincinnati's defense without their two safeties, right? Because you know Jesse Bates on on Atlanta and. Uh, you know, I mean, just having not having the guys you usually have who kind of anchored down that defense, it'll be interesting to see if their defense is, is just as good. Yeah, I think one of the issues with Baltimore in the past has been, you know, when their starting running back has gone out, they've kind of faltered a little bit. They haven't had the depth to pick up the pace, but they've yeah. been able to do that. They were able to do that last week. And, like, yeah, Von Bell, Jesse Bates not being there in Cincinnati – and just the way they played, I mean, it, it clearly looks like they're just not even paying attention to, to T. Higgins. They don't want to. They, they, they didn't throw to him at all. I think that Baltimore does pull the win out in this one. And like I said, I mean, I'm looking just down at all of this, and literally every game that I'm looking at is 50-50. Yeah. Like, every single game that I'm looking at, either team could win in this should week. Be a, should be a good week. Should be a good week, definitely. <laughs> Seattle at Detroit. Detroit coming off of that. Huge upset last week that I predicted. So, uh, you know, like against Kansas City and Seattle, I mean, I I don't know what to expect from Seattle. I'm still trying to figure them out. Yeah. I I don't know how Geno Smith lays off of being a starting quarterback for five years and then comes out and plays how he does. I don't get it. Because he was just, he was ready, waiting in the wings. I mean, the loss to the Rams was rough because it's, you know, that is not a, a good off Rams offense. They've obviously had their they have they have a lot of depth at that in that team. Obviously, with the guys they had to pick up the pace of Cam Akers and you know Cooper Cup. Yeah. You see a new kind of clear number one guy, and you see I don't remember his name, the Samoan receiver that took mm-hmm. over for Cooper Cup. Um, but their defense is stout still. Even you know J- losing Jalen Ramsey did not matter. It seems for them. Aaron Donald, as long as Aaron Donald's on that team, it seems like they're going to pull it out. However, Detroit is they're here like. They're, they are what Seattle was, you know, five, six years ago mm-hmm. when they were, you know, in that mediocrity. Now they're coming back. I mean, Detroit is ready. They are they are able. They want to win. It's going to be at home, too. Yeah. It's, their first, it's their home opener. I think that they care too much to lose that ball game. Okay. And I think that they continue to show that they are not a team to be doubted. They have wanted it for so long, and they've mm-hmm. worked at it for so long, and you know, I've always had my concerns about Jared Goff, yeah. but I don't think Seattle has the defense to shake it up enough. I think it'll be a shootout. Okay, it'll either be a shootout or it'll be a like ten to seven game. Yeah, but I, I picked the Lions in this one. Okay, I I think Detroit is fool's gold. I really, think, I think they came out and I, I think having the victory over Kansas City, I think that's huge for them. I think it gives them confidence going into this game, but. There's something I just can't trust about Detroit. I don't know what it is. I like Dan Campbell a lot. I think I, I you know, just you know, we'll bite your toes off. All that, you know, like I, I like that. Like yeah. I, I, you know, I like his 
he's just gritty. He's just a gritty coach. Like you want to work hard for him. Oh yeah. Um, which makes me feel like I want to believe in Detroit, but there's just something about Detroit, at least in this game, let's just say, against Seattle, who I think is even better coach than than Detroit. I'm going Seattle. Well, yeah, it's Pete Carroll. I mean, it's hard to pass it up. I just think they've only Seattle can only do so well for so long, and Seattle always. The, the, the difference is, like, especially in Dan Campbell's tenure, the Lions have started out very hot and then have fell throughout the rest of the year, whereas then, you know, the Seahawks have always taken a long time to get going, and yeah. then they turn it on in the second half and almost inevitably always find the playoffs. Yeah. So I think that's just going to be the syndrome more of just where they're – if this game was week 15, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd give it to Seattle probably. Okay. Being that it's here this week, this week too, with how these two teams have played, it is – the script is right for the the scales to tip, you know, and Seattle to go, okay, we're not a bad team. Detroit to go, okay, we're not the best team ever. Yeah. I still think they pull it out, though. Okay. okay. Then we got the Chargers at Tennessee. I think the Chargers win this game. I, I think the Chargers are going to be an offensive onslaught all year long um, just because they have – I mean, they can't afford to not be. They they have the one of the best talented cast around Justin Herbert that there, yeah. that there can be. Uh, and Austin Eckler is a top back in this league. I mean, so they can do a little bit of everything. I'm, I'm going with the Chargers on this one. Just, and, and a lot of that's because I don't know what Tennessee is. I mean, they don't know what they are. I'll tell you what, though. They do, if anything, do they do defend the run well. If you're a fantasy manager, Austin Eckler is not your guy this week, I don't mm-hmm. think. If you are, if you have him, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, those are the guys to play because the Tennessee cornerbacks are non-existent. Um, they're not there. They just don't do anything well. Mm-hmm. And I think this is going to be a big week for the Chargers defense to show their prowess. Yeah. You get Ryan, I mean, you get the blitz going. You get Bosa and Mack on T- Tannehill. He will turn the ball over, mm-hmm. um, especially when you have the guys that they have in that secondary. So I think that the Chargers do. I think it'll be closer than people think. Yeah. I really think it will because also, you know, I think Derrick Henry will have another big game for himself. Mm-hmm. But I do think the Chargers pull out a win in this one. I- and I, I think the thing about Tennessee is it's weird because this is one of those games that they would win. It like, is. Like, it's one of those games where they feel a little bit outmatched, but for some reason they'll pull out a win. The Tennessee Titans play to the talent they play, the, the opponents they play, more than any team I've ever seen. They yeah. will play, like, lights out, you know, shoot out against the Chiefs one week, and then they'll play, you know, a 10-7 to 7 game against the Texans the next. And it, <laughs> makes, and it makes no sense, but they do it time and time again. Yep. Yep. Uh, next one up is Chicago at Tampa Bay. It all depends on what Chicago team shows up, right? Like, yeah. Because, I mean, I'm hard-pressed to believe that that's who Chicago is, but then there's part of me that wants to believe that's who Chicago is. I mean, I'm hard-pressed to believe that's who Tampa Bay is. You know, I don't think anyone expected that game to go out the way it did, and I think that, you know, it, it there's no, at least for the Panthers fandom, and Pan, there's no – outcome in this game that looks good for the Panthers if you don't win in New or- if you don't beat New Orleans because if not then Tampa Bay is 2 and 0 and you have not won a game or you're 0 and 2 and now the Bears have won a game against a division rival uh, with a quarterback that you against a quarterback you gave up yeah. or that quarterback you gave up and let go is now balling out so there's no you know there's no instance where that goes well for the Panthers fans so I'll, I'll give it a washout they could tie for all uh, my hope is a tie <laughs> And my prediction is a tie. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Tampa. I think Tampa is gonna be far more dangerous than they ever will ever look with Baker Mayfield at quarterback. I just, I just do. I think Baker Mayfield with the right weapons around him, with the right coaching staff, is good enough for Tampa. He continues to show it against all doubt and all you know naysayers. Yep. Then you got Jacksonville hosting Kansas City. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. If if Travis Kelsey's not playing in that game. I'm not picking him to win. Yeah, okay. There's no, there's no one else. I mean, Mahomes is getting the Cam Newton treatment now. <laughs> he he has no weapons. Yeah. He he has no defense. Mm-hmm. And the Jaguars, while they did look rough against Indianapolis, I did not expect that game to be as close as it was. Yeah. Um, I do think I think if there's no Travis Kelsey, Jaguars get that win. Yeah. I, I I agree, uh, and and I agree because there's nobody to step up to the plate in that spot for Travis Kelsey no. as a number one guy, no. right? So I'm, I'm going to go Jacksonville, too, and Jacksonville's, I mean, they're, they're ridiculously talented, too, with adding Calvin Ridley and all that. It's so, only looked better. You know, we'll, we'll see. But we got the two young quarterbacks going at it. You know, we know the NFL. They knew what they were doing with the Colts at Houston this early in the season. This is going to be fun. I, I And this one, I mean, you talk about toss-ups for the week. To me, I think Indianapolis – blows them out you think so the way they hung on against 
with Jacksonville mm-hmm. was unlike anything I thought I was ever going to see. No Jonathan Taylor. You have Michael Pittman looking like a bat out of hell. And I think that, I mean, Anthony Richardson played well. Yeah. I mean, he didn't, you know, he didn't play lights out, but he showed flashes of success to the point where I didn't see anything like that from, I saw nothing from Houston. Yeah. And they got, refresh my memory, they got blown out by Baltimore. Right, by Baltimore, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think that that, I mean. 25 to 9, I think it was. Yeah. I, 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 th- I think personally, this is, I think Indianapolis just dominates them. Yeah. I, you know, yeah, you've taken me to the dark side here. I'm, I'm going to go Indy too. Uh, just because. Tough, I mean, I see what I agree with your perspective. Before the season starts, that's a toss up. But I just think the way Jacksonville's a much better team than the Ravens are right now. Mm-hmm. And for them to put a shootout up against Jacksonville with that defense and with without Jonathan Taylor yeah. was to me completely unexpected. I mean, I can't other than Michael Pittman, I can't name you another player on that on that Colts offense. Yeah. And so that's where I'm like, all right. They can do that against you know Jacksonville, and Jacksonville's always been a kind of up and down team. Yeah. But I just I saw nothing from Houston that that would give me any sort of confidence. <laughs> that's, that that's tough. I'm uh, I'm I'm just devil's advocate here. I'm gonna go to Houston. Right? Well, I get, and again for Panthers fans, there's no outcome in this game that does well if you, if Bryce Young loses again. Right. There's no outcome either. C.J. Stroud looks good or Anthony Richardson looks like the yeah. guy we should have stayed and taken. Well, they both look good. You know, so either yeah, way, like, there's no outcome that's know, that's that's good for the Panthers here. I, I think. I think Houston's defense is is prepped to be really good, but I think Indy's is too. I think the whole division has good defenses in it, uh, playing against young quarterbacks all over it. Yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm I'm gonna go Houston. Uh, it's, it's tough, it, just because that. I mean that. I mean that's a toss up of all toss ups. I think right there because two rookie QBs. You got really good defenses on both sides. You know who who plays worse is the real question. But San Francisco at Los Angeles. So the 49ers at the um, Rams. Mm. Yeah. See, that's I think you're toss up of all toss up. Like I said, every single game in this week. I mean, we've said it. The NFL is harder to predict every single every single year, but especially this week, so many divisional matchups this early on, like a lot more than I can remember in recent years. And for this one again, same thing. I mean, look at San Francisco played lights out against you know against Pittsburgh, and I don't think Pittsburgh necessarily has a star set of defense. I mean, they've got Highsmith, they've got T.J. Watt. They've got good guys, no, don't get me wrong, um, but I think the 49ers are the 49ers. I think Brock Purdy looks like a solid player, and his connection with Brandon Ayuk already has been dominant. Christian McCaffrey obviously looked like you know everything he's supposed to be, but it is the Rams' defense, mm-hmm. and the Rams' defense is dominant. You know, I think if Aaron Donald gets – it's going to be between Aaron Donald and that offensive line. Yeah. If, they, if he gets to Brock Purdy, gets Brock Purdy on his toes, you saw – how he made Geno Smith look, and Geno Smith's a, a, a seasoned veteran, even if he doesn't have a lot of starting, you know, experience. Yeah. He's been in the league forever, so I'll put this one as a toss-up. But for me, I, I think San, uh, San Francisco gets the win. Okay, I, I think, uh, I think San Francisco wins too. I just think there's something about LA that's just giving like the, the return of the Mac vibes. Like they coming back this year. I think. I, I, just, I think, but I, I just don't think they're healthy enough right now no. to. To get themselves going, so I think this that's is why one that the 49ers have a much better defense yeah. in that regard, and you know your your back your second string is not going to do well against that defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the Giants, I think they get right against Arizona. Uh, you know, I you know what, you what? I don't know because you saw what they did against Washington. Their defense, especially, yeah, you had a touchdown. You had uh, two picks, one for a touchdown, multiple sacks, and a forced fumble against Washington. That's exactly what Cowboys did against. You know, against yeah. New uh, New York. So for me, again, if you're a fantasy football mm-hmm. player and you need a defense, I would pick up Arizona. I mean, they put up 30 point, you know, 25 points against Washington, and I think they could do that easily against the Giants. I mean, I don't think they're going to do anything offensively. So that's another toss up, really. It's a you know, it's the battle of medio- mediocrity. Yeah. But uh, I, yeah, this one could be a, t- a toss up or a tie. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see on that one. And then the Jets at Dallas. Um, I think that if they had Aaron Rodgers, I think it'd be a different story. But I think Dallas's defense looked really good. Oh yeah, Zach Wilson still looks like Zach Wilson to me, so I'm going Dallas. Yeah, I think this is going to be Zach Wilson's coming back to earth uh, game. I think this is where they're going to go after this game. They're going to go, okay, do we need to call Tom Brady? Do we need to call you know Matt Ryan? Philip Rivers. Do we need to call Cam Newton? <laughs> yeah. Look at I I was yeah. I will always pitch it every time there's a uh, there's an opening I will pitch it. Cam mm-hmm. Newton looks good in any NFL uniform. Yep. And he. Still can ball. Yeah, and the last time you saw him, he was he joined the team what mid season. So yep. why do you expect 
Anyway, uh, never mind. I, I know, but so yeah, this one I think Dallas, uh, especially in in Dallas, I don't think there's any way that the Jets put up. I, I think it's going to be multiple interception game for Wilson. Okay, uh, I, I think it's going to be brutal. Yeah. Okay, and then Washington at Denver. I, there's something about Denver that makes me feel like they're they're going to be better than they were last year. I mean, you can't get any worse than what they were. So, I, but I think Denver against Washington, I think, is an interesting matchup. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with Denver. I'm going to stick with Denver. Uh, I think they're going to be back this year. I don't know what it is. I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I can't figure it out. But I think, you know, I mean, of course, no Jerry Judy. That doesn't help you out if you're uh, Denver in week one. But I think Washington's going to be good, too. But I think on this week, you know, in the altitude and stuff like that, I think Denver gets his win. I, I think that Washington has proven its ability to win in games that it shouldn't win in. <laughs> I think, and, you know, of course, being I'm going to pull for the hometown kid in Sam Howell. I'm going to pull for him to go over Russell Wilson. Yeah. You know, the true North Carolina quarterback, whatever Russell Wilson wants to say <laughs> for NC State. He still, he still claims Wisconsin. So um, I, I, I'm going to go with Washington in this one. I think they just show that they can win these kind of weird games. Um, and I think, they'll, I think they'll pull out a win here. Yeah. All righty. So Sunday Night Football, Miami at New England. Miami big. Miami's just too they're, – they're too darn talented. If, if they can stay healthy, they'll be dangerous. Uh, in an ASC that's already – that I think – Let's be honest, I think we forgot about Miami a little bit in the AFC because there were so many other teams that we were like we for, we forgot about them because they weren't healthy last year and now they are and I'm like that's that I mean that looks like something I don't want to face every not I mean not even once a year. Yeah, I mean their defense, I mean getting Ramsey only made their defense that much better, you know, getting Raheem Mostert only made their running attack that much better. I mean, New England, to their credit, they were down 16 to nothing and came back to be within, you know, they had a fighting chance there at the end of that game against the defending NFC champs. Mm-hmm. Um, being that it is in Foxborough, that plays a much bigger role. I think it's going to come up to, you know, it, this is going to, this is about, you know, this is new age versus old age. Yeah. This is Belichick versus, you know, um, versus, uh, uh, I can't remember his name at the, off the top of my head. Mike the, thank you. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to be a big factor is who controls the turnover battle, who makes the least amount of mistakes. Um, you know, if Ramsey gets, you know, if Ramsey gets after Mac Jones, I mean, that's going to be brutal. But he played, a, he played a good ball game. So I think that that could be. A, I think I'll give Miami that one, yeah. but I, I think it's a very close game. Okay. Uh, Monday night football doubleheader. I hate that they did the game. Like oh, this. what? They should have honestly, like, because they got New know. Orleans at Carolina at seven fifteen, then they got Cleveland at Pittsburgh at eight fifteen, which is silly. Because why didn't they do the thing they used to do in Week One? You remember they used to do like the doubleheader. In week one, where one team would play at like seven and seven. the one at like ten. Yeah, I didn't that? realize they were both playing. That I didn't even know that that was happening. Yeah, that's, I, I I find it a little silly, but anyway, uh, New Orleans at Carolina, seven fifteen on Monday night. I think we already did this. Yeah, so we've so we'll said my one. piece. <laughs> yeah, we, we've already said that one. But uh, Cleveland at Pittsburgh, the other uh, Monday night, you know, doubleheader on that one. I mean, they looked rough against San Francisco, and I don't know. I, I, I'm gonna say it was a fluke for for Cleveland. I do not. I do not think they are that good of a football team. Um, I mean, of course, everyone in the country is rooting for them. Not other than Cleveland's rooting for them to not be a good football team. <laughs> I think Pittsburgh re re reevaluates themselves, shows that they're a good football team, or at least a Mike Tomlin football team. You don't see Mike Tomlin win twice or lose twice like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that they get the win in this one. Um, I think it'll be a, a, clot, a lot lower scoring of a game, yeah. um, but I, I'd say I'd pick Pittsburgh to get the win here. I, I think I, I had predicted early on, you know, in the preseason and whatnot, that Pittsburgh would finish last in the division, and I predicted this will be the first time that they have a losing season, just because I mean the AFC stack. That's just yeah. how it is. You know, you can't. I mean, you can't win but so many games when everybody else is. You know. Yeah. So, but I think Cleveland. I think Cleveland will be back. Because you get a real off season for Deshaun Watson, and you know, has he really had a bad season? No, I haven't seen it. Uh, you know, last year you can say what you want, but he was out out for a year and a half, so whatever. But I think my thought process on this is, I just think Cleveland's going to be the better team in the end. Um, I think they, I think they played well last week against Cincinnati, against who's supposed to be the top of the division, and I think a team that looks like they're closer to the bottom than anything in, in Pittsburgh. And we talked about that defense and what, what they could or couldn't be. 
I think Cleveland is is, is gonna gonna be good, and Miles Garrett always eats against uh, Pittsburgh. He does that. He does, or, or everybody for that matter. That but, that he does. You know. So, uh, who did you did you uh, get a chance to pick this game? Yeah, I so I, I think Pittsburgh uh, re re shows their dominance. Okay. I, I think that they do pull out at least a win here. I mean, like I said, it's it's very it's very it's not very often you see Mike Tomlin lose that many games in a row, um, and especially divisionally. I do think they do. I will have a losing season. I do think they will end at the bottom of this division, depending upon how the Ravens do. Um, but I don't see them losing this game just because of what it means to that area and what it would mean for that team. You know, it's these. It's very interesting. Like I said with so many of these matches where you have two divisional games already under your belt. Yep before the season even is, you know, halfway through or, you know, a month in, it creates a much different mindset for these coaches and it creates a lot more different storylines to where you're starting to see the playoff picture even come to pass, yep. you know, this early on. So, exactly. but like I said, I mean, you know, every year it's gotten crazier and crazier and I think that it's going to be harder and harder to start picking these games. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll be, it'll be a good week of football. That's yeah, for sure. Most, most definitely. But uh, we'll go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh, Jack, I definitely appreciate you for coming by. Of course, so, you know you'll be back on again definitely soon. We'll we'll see where the Panthers are at that point in the season. Yeah. you never know. Uh, can, considering right now where we are, you yeah. know, this early into the season, but definitely a lot of fun. Uh, definitely keep us updated. You know, you can always. What's your uh, X? I guess is what we're calling. Yeah, I was gonna say just so that people can stay you know up to date on anything Panthers, anything high school sports around the area as well. Yeah, so it's a uh, Jack Taylor TV for all of that. Um, we've got a pretty cool week coming up. We've got our game of the week, of course. And that is Porter Ridge against Monroe High School. That's streaming live on BayacoSports.com on Friday night. Now it's weird this week um, because of Rosh Hashanah. Uh, mm-hmm. Schools are not out playing. Are they're not? Kids are not going to school on Friday. But so some schools are playing Thursday. Some are playing Friday. So we've got a lot more games this week. So yeah. make sure to tune to the Blitz at 11 on Friday night as well. We'll have a lot more games than we're able to normally because we got two days to get them. Yeah. Yep. So we've got some big matchups, some big names coming out around and. Uh, We'll have all of that there, so be sure, of course, to tune in. That's, again, Jack Taylor TV, and then, of course, just back with sports on everything. Yep, of course, and that's how you can stay in touch with the Keep Riding Podcast as well. We definitely hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um, once again, the Keep Riding Podcast is on all major podcasting platforms, so be sure uh, to tune in. You know, put 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 the Keep Riding Podcast in the queue with all your favorite uh, other podcasts, but we'll see you guys on the next one, Jack. Once, once again, appreciate you for coming by. We'll see you guys on the next episode of the Keep Riding Podcast. Until next time. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.